So when we're not doing the book of Revelation, we're going to be looking at a series of sermons that are picking up on the titles that are used in the Alpha Course. It won't be uh, repeating the material. Um, people are all thinking about it from a different direction. So you can still come to Alpha and benefit uh, from that. So if you're interested at all in coming to Alpha, and we'll probably mention it a few times yet, um, it's going to be happening here in the run from Easter through to summer. So um, keep, your, um, keep posted uh, for that. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? I think it probably is maybe best to start at a point where everyone can kind of agree. Jesus was a Jewish uh, religious teacher. Uh, He lived at the turn of the first century in Palestine, uh, current day Israel. He had a short but incredibly significant life. He accumulated during the course of uh, his life a faithful band of followers who were determined to pass his teachings on after his early death um, by execution on a cross, by the Roman occupying authorities uh, of the day. That much uh, religious teachers and scholars that are respected can agree on. Now, more than that, also everyone agrees that Jesus had a profound impact on world history, Uh, first in the Near East and then in the wider world. um, It was revolutionized by the teaching of Jesus. Uh, In fact, history itself is measured uh, with reference to Jesus' birth. Uh, This is the year of our Lord, 2020, Anno Domini, A.D. 2020. It's incredible, isn't it, that nearly 2,000 years after the death of this man, uh, according to the Pew Research Center, uh, it's estimated there are 2.2 billion, just get that, 2.2 billion Christians in the world, with 631 million Christians alone just in the continent of Africa. And there are 54 million Christians, even today in communist China. Wow, that's incredible. What is it about Jesus and his teaching that's so enduring? What is it that draws people like us into communities that are known as churches all around the earth to share more about Jesus? to learn about him, to apply his teaching into our lives and to, by doing all these things, share it widely, as widely as we can, with as many people as we can. What is it that persuades someone like Ilsa not only to believe in Jesus, but to take this really, really public step? You're gonna see, she's gonna get very wet later on, okay? That's a clue to what's coming up if you've never seen this going on this morning. She's gonna take a very public step of obeying Jesus' teaching by being baptized as a follower of Jesus today. Well, I want to briefly try and explain this to you this morning by using some of Jesus' words as recorded by uh, one of his followers, John, one of his earliest followers. And he tells us that in response to a question um, that Jesus had about who he was and what he was up to, um, Jesus responded in John chapter 14 and verse six this way. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and 
the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Father that Jesus spoke of was God himself, the creator and sustainer of all things, that spiritual center to the universe and all the things that are in it. Humanity has a long, long felt compelled to try and find and recognize and honor in the right way this God who is at the center of everything. And yet, and this has been one of the issues that people have struggled with, they've found it really hard to agree or know who God really is or how to really find him and, and what it means to live according to God's purposes. And at the start of what he writes in the Bible, John, this same disciple of Jesus, uh, recognizes this age-old problem. He says this, he says, no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. But, and I love the but, but God, the only son, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. No one has ever seen God, but God, the only son, who's at the Father's side, has made him known. God is above and beyond our understanding. It's kind of like as if God exists in a, a, in a, a different dimension, one that we don't have access to all the time. It exceeds our own understanding of life. But we don't have to fumble around in the dark as we try and work out what it means to know God because Jesus... The Son of God has come to show us who God is and what he is like. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. If you want to do what God asks, follow Jesus. If you want to know God, well, come and meet Jesus. Because through Jesus, you're gonna discover God's love, his forgiveness, you're gonna discover God's purpose, you're gonna discover God's future. And this is, the, this is the absolute essence of the Christian message for the past 2,000 years. So let's just look and see if we can help ourselves understand it a bit better by looking at what Jesus says about himself in these ver this verse that I read to you just a moment ago. Jesus says, first of all, I am the way. I am the way. I don't know if you were helped getting here today by uh, Satnav. Perhaps if you weren't familiar with the place, you plugged in the address and you came uh, to the right spot. We use it perhaps most weeks, most of us. Uh, and these geostationary satellites that are way up there in space, they've revolutionized travel around the world today. Wherever I am, I can take out my phone and I can locate myself with absolute accuracy. Whenever I want to, I can get instructions about where I, where I need to go and how to get there. And even if I take a wrong turn, um, this is a really patient thing with me, okay? Even if I get things wrong, my sat-nav system won't give up on me. It simply plots another route for me to get back on track. It tries to, it has an absolute mission of turning me around from my wrong 
direction and getting me back to the place where I really need to go. Now Jesus is, in a deep sense, that system for the whole of life, from your beginning all the way to to your end. And you can locate where you are in relation to him. You can find out where you need to go through him. And, and, and even when you take a wrong turn, he will not give up on you. We make so many wrong turns, don't we, in our lives. But he simply plots another route for us, which if we obey, if we take note of, will get us back from the direction that we're going that's going wrong and back on track to the place where he wants us to be. You know, the thing is this. I don't have to pay attention to my navigation system. I can decide in a fit of pique against it that I actually know better or that actually I prefer not to follow directions and um, I can find my own way. The problem is that bitter experience tells me that uh, when I choose to do this, it doesn't end that well. And I think that's also the case if we ignore the prompts and instructions of Jesus by his spirit. When he prompts you, when he prompts me to turn around, to go in another direction, to to do something different from what we're doing or to use the language of the Bible, to repent, the choice not to do so is or to, do, or to do it or not to do it is, is a choice that we can make, but the consequences of ignoring his directions are never very good. In fact, they're disastrous. Not only does Jesus then show us the way, but it's deeper than that. Jesus says, I am the way. He actually becomes the way. The AWPR is um, a road that we're all growing used to and appreciating perhaps more. Um, It provided us with a way to Stonehaven that didn't used to exist. Even five years ago, if you'd have tried to take, well, perhaps even shorter time than that, even three years ago, if you tried to take that route, you'd have been trying to drive across fields and bogs and all sorts of stuff, and you would not have got very far. Jesus in himself made us a way to God, a way that didn't exist before him. And he's become the path for us to follow. Jesus is the way. But he also says, I am the truth. Later in the Gospel of John, Pilate at the trial of Jesus, the governor the Roman governor of the province of Palestine ruling at Jesus' trial famously says, what is truth? All through time, that question has been the quest of science, it has been the question of history, it has been the question of philosophy. If only we could know the truth, if only we could know the actual center of it all, then surely we would be able to solve the problems of the world and the problems of our lives. Yet, truth proves to be elusive and at its best it often seems to be just relative. So in other words, what one person declares to be true, others pronounce as fake news. They doubt and disbelieve. 
They prefer instead their own versions. What then is truth? We find ourselves asking together with Pilate. And how can we ever hope to find it? Well, just as it did for Pilate, the answer today stands before us in the person that we're considering. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the truth. He's the ultimate answer to every question. He's the absolute center of everything. All things find their meaning in him because only he can make sense of everything. Take the question of suffering. Now there's a question that we're desperate to find the answer to, isn't it? Why all this suffering in the world through all time? the pain and the sadness and the difficulty of it all. Why, why, why? And, and Jesus comes and he answers that question by stepping into the world and suffering alongside us. Not only that, but he suffers for us. He suffers on our behalf. Why, why would he do that? Sin is the choice to ignore God and his instructions and instead go our own way. And according to the Bible, it is the cause of suffering. It has knocked the world out of alignment. And as a consequence, things don't run the way that they were meant to. And that includes my life and that includes, I'm sad to say, your life and the lives of others all around us. In fact, the lives of every woman, child and man that has ever existed, sin, that collection of fateful choices, the determination to go my own way, whatever the cost, creates the world that we know that is so often overwhelmed by grief, by sadness, by pain, and by sorrow. Sin damages though, even more fundamentally, the very fabric of the world that we live in. And that's why environmentally, we're now actually facing the crisis that we're looking at. It damages also people, it stunts us, it holds us back, it makes us less than what we could be and ultimately it ends in death. Why is that? Because sin cuts us off from the source of life in God. We're all like those deep sea divers who are connected to air sources that are located some distance away from them and sin is like that determination to actually go our own way, to hold our breath for a while and see if we can get on without the supply. But without that connection, we're doomed. There can be no life. Jesus came to alert us to that truth, to warn us of our critical condition and to show us the way back to God through his death on the cross. Look, says John the Baptist, again, his words are recorded in the Gospel of John. Look, he says, behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. He says that of Jesus. And the Lamb speaks of sacrifice and a particular kind of sacrifice, the sacrifice of Passover. Thousands of years ago, the Israelites were slaves in the land of Egypt, and they cried out to God in their suffering, and said, God, please deliver us. And God determined to make Pharaoh release them through a series of powerful events that culminated in sending the angel of death throughout the land of Egypt to visit every single home. 
There would be just one way of stopping the angel of death from visiting a home, and that was to take a a lamb and to slaughter it, and to take its blood, and to take the all-important blood of that lamb and paint it around the doorposts and lintel of every home. The life of the lamb in exchange for the life of a firstborn. And when the angel of death saw the blood, that household was counted as having paid the blood price, and it was passed over, hence the name, Passover. Through his death and the bloody cross, Jesus has become our Passover lamb. And and in him we'll find that death can't hold on to us, just as death couldn't hold on to him. Why? Because Jesus is the life. He's the source of life himself. He is God with us, that Emmanuel child of Christmas, but he is one with the Father, given for the sins of the world. He didn't die for his own sins because he didn't commit any. He died for my sins and for yours. He died to set us free. He died to pay what was due. There was a life for a life, a blood debt that could only be settled by him. So in his life, we find life, not just any life, but life in all its fullness, eternal and everlasting, and life as God intended it to be. The truth is that the price has been paid by his blood through his death. Proof that he did pay the price is found in his resurrection. Jesus died, but he rose from the dead. He is the life. You see, folks, the reason that Jesus' teaching didn't die with him was that his earliest followers had this deep, deep conviction that he had not stayed dead when he'd been executed, that he had truly died, but he had not stayed dead. He had risen from death after three days. They were convinced of this, and they recounted how for 40 days after his resurrection, he appeared to them, walked with them, spoke with them, and even ate with them. And and they said, this is not just one or two of us, but there was actually over 500 of us that witnessed this. We believe, we were absolutely and utterly convinced of it. In fact, they were so convinced of what they had seen of Jesus after he had died and rose again that they were prepared to give their lives for their conviction. So, who is Jesus? He is the way. He is the truth and he is the life and no one comes to the Father except through him. Ilsa is going to publicly witness to this truth this morning as she gets baptized in obedience and commitment to Jesus' life, death and teaching just a few minutes. By that act, uh, Ilsa is going to publicly acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord of her life, that for her he is the way, the truth and the life. Now there's a question for the rest of us this morning. Who is Jesus to you? Is he your way? Is he your truth? Is he your life? Is he he your Lord and your savior? Ilse is taking a huge step today. What step is it that you need to take? I, I think, you know, 
actually, we all probably have a step to take today. We all need to leave here having decided something about where we're going with God today. It can't just be a Sunday that's special for Ilsa, but actually it's a Sunday special for us all and we're gathered here for that reason because God, by his grace and in his love, wants to communicate with each and every one of us. He wants us to hear his message to us. He wants us to know his love for us. He wants us to know his future. At Pentecost, the people who believed the message of Jesus asked Peter what they should do. And Peter responds in the book of Acts, uh, he says this, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What a gift you could have today. God has not left us to muddle through life to kind of try and figure out what we're doing and to keep walking down these kind of blind alleys that don't get us anywhere and to keep kind of feeling frustrated about where we're going. But no, God has gifted us with his spirit to convince us of his presence and to show us his way. Even now, the the presence of God's spirit rests on this place. Even now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. It's, it's, I, I'm sharing these words, but God, by His Spirit, is speaking to you in your life. He's communicating His message to you and prompting you about what step of faith you perhaps need to take. Don't ignore the prompting of the Spirit in your life this morning. In a simple prayer, you can confess your sins, your faults and your failures. You can ask to find complete forgiveness in his death. You can ask to find new life in his life. And you can do what he asks you to do. Should we just pray? Let's take a moment just to bow our heads and pray. And then we're going to sing as we go and prepare then for the baptism that's going to come just afterwards. And the children are going to come back in. But let's just take a moment to pray. Let's pray together. Lord God, our heavenly Father, thank you, thank you that you do not want to leave us on our own. You do not want to leave us to muddle around and figure out, to fail to find our own way forwards in the world. But Lord, you don't want us to be in the dark. You want to help us understand your light. And so you sent us Jesus. And you give us now your Holy Spirit so that we can know you, one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, so we come to you this morning and we would confess our sins. We would say, we need you. We would say, please, Lord, forgive us. We would say, please, Lord, take us on. Help us to take that next step with you so that we can find faith and a future that can only be found in Jesus. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.